0: This is the Crimecasters Network with Alicia Sophias and Ronnie Dahl, two rogue reporters breaking newsroom rules to take you behind the crime scene tape.
1: The case we have for you today, Crimecasters, is that of a missing mom, a family's dark secrets, and a daughter's desperate quest for answers. Alicia, sadly, Katie
0: Scarcella's journey to find her mom is one so many other families share. According to Us, the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, over 600,000 people go missing in the U.S. every year. That number, to me, was staggering. Shocking. And while many are found safe, tens of thousands remain missing for more than a year, including Elizabeth Dawn
1: Land. Elizabeth grew up near Almont, Michigan, a quaint village in Lapeer County of about 3,000 residents. It's a farming community, and she got pregnant with her first daughter, Katie, at a young age. Then she met Dean Land. They got married. Elizabeth, or Liz to her family, was happy. She and Dean had three kids together, all boys.
0: But the happiness began to fade. Liz started partying, and her occasional drug use became a habit. Soon, her life spiraled out of control. As the drugs took hold, her marriage to Dean began to crumble. He filed for divorce, and Liz lost custody of her kids. By
1: this time, Liz was fully addicted to heroin. After hitting rock bottom, she went to rehab, she got clean, and kicked her drug habit. It was hard, but she did it for her kids because she really loved being a mom.
0: Once released, Liz went to live with her mom and her stepdad. But she soon discovered life outside the safety of the rehab clinic was a dangerous place. According to sources, Liz's mom, Jeannie, was also an addict. And Jeannie's husband, Michael McGoy, whom Jeannie married in 2003, he was a drug dealer and a pimp. According to Genesee County Court records, McGoy has a criminal history, including a 2002 conviction for maintaining a drug house.
1: On February 26, 2009, just a few months after being released from rehab, Liz's mom filed a missing persons report with the Flint Police Department. Jeannie told police Liz left their home on Mackin Road to meet a friend at a nearby bar a bar in a neighborhood known for drugs and prostitution, an area where young, troubled women go missing. Women like Liz.
0: Liz's daughter, Katie, was a child when her mom disappeared. She's now an adult and a mother herself. I recently spoke with her about her mom's disappearance and her unrelenting search for answers.
1: You're listening to Crimecasters Network.
0: Katie, thank you so much for being with us.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Can
0: you tell us about your
2: mom? Oh, she uh, she was a beautiful woman, loving. Uh, she had her, her own bad habit uh, that kind of put her in the position that she was put in and caused her to sadly go missing. Um, but she is, she's very missed by lots. <laughs> she was loved. <laughs> oh, so your mom is uh, Elizabeth Don Land. She was how old
0: when she went missing?
2: Oh, she was 20, 20s, like maybe 25.
0: Yeah, I think I saw one report, maybe 27. But you were, you were a kid.
2: Yes, uh, I was like nine or 10, I believe.
0: Do you remember, remember. Uh, finding out that she was missing? Uh,
2: yeah, I didn't uh, find out until a few months later, uh, simply because with her bad habits, she would occasionally go off the grid. Um, but when it finally came to attention that, you know, she was, in fact, missing, uh, I was notified by my uh, my father, and it was uh, it was sad. It was very uh,
0: heartbreaking. So, uh, with that, Katie, if I can ask you, because uh, just so people know, you guys were living with your dad at the time.
2: Uh yes, I uh, I lived with my dad, um, and we were both living with uh, his mom, so my grandma um, at that time. Uh, so, I I was I would have visits uh, occasionally with my mom because uh, I was not in her custody at that time. So, um, yes, I only I only seen her a few times. I had actually. My last visit with her was about three three days or a week before she went missing. What do you remember about that visit? Uh, <laughs> she looked super healthy, uh, which was a good thing. Um, she was glowing. Uh, she was ready to, you know, get herself some help, I believe. And, uh, you know, have her kids back in her life fully. And um, so I remember that she looked very happy and healthy. Uh, it was a very good visit. I like to see your smile when you think about her. <laughs> yes, uh, I uh, I was uh, I was a mama's girl. <laughs> I loved my mom even with all her her bad habits and the issues that she had. I mean, I was I loved my mom very much. I mm. still very much do love her. <laughs> so, it's been
0: <sighs> so many years now she went missing in February 2009 what are the anniversary dates like for you do you still have hope that maybe she is alive or in your heart do you know that she has passed
2: um the anniversary date they are uh, they're difficult um they were getting better um but now you know I'm I've graduated I have two beautiful children of my own uh and those kind of things that like it makes it hard on those anniversaries because she has missed out on all of this um which is you know it's you need a mom in your life which i mean i have plenty of motherly uh role models but um you know a mom is a mom uh so it's uh (laughs) the anniversaries can be very difficult Uh, with those events
0: in my life. So Katie, they say that um, you don't, uh, you don't realize what love is until you have a child. Has that been the case for you?
2: (laughs) Uh, Yes. I, uh, you know, being a mom is an amazing thing. And uh, the love you, you have for your children is, uh, it it is uh, something that you can't really explain. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't imagine not having my kids and not seeing them every day. And i it's yeah, I, <laughs> being a mom is an amazing thing. So
0: with that, Katie, too, uh, can you um, tell us what's it like for you as the years go past? Is there, is there a search effort still underway? Or do you feel like your mom has been forgotten?
2: Um, at first, you know, they they did everything they could. Um, right. But as the years passed, you know, it would get passed down to another detective and then another detective. I think I'm on we're on like, maybe the third uh, detective that been on her case, uh, so with it being a 13, 14 year cold case at this point, I mean, it's I know they still occasionally uh, check in with me, uh, see how I'm doing. But uh, when it comes to tips now, I don't think they dig as deep as they did the first three years of her disappearance.
0: I've talked to so many um, family members of victims, and it's the not knowing that can be the hardest. Is that the hardest thing for you? Is that why you're still trying to find your mom?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I have my my doubts that she is still alive. Um, I mean, there was a time when I thought maybe she had gotten sucked into the human trafficking Um, And, you know, was still out there. But um, lately, there's been here say that, you know, she isn't alive anymore. Uh, So I mean, I have some peace with that, knowing that, you know, she's not suffering um, for all these years, but it would it would be nice to be able to put her body at rest, um, and be able to have, you know, a ceremony for everyone that has loved her and still does love her
0: when you talk about your mom with your kids what do you tell them about their grandma
2: um she would have loved them (laughs) and that she is watching she's watching over them uh and once they're old enough uh you know i'll tell them more about her but (laughs) they're still so young at this point um they don't even really ask uh about a grandma i mean they have other grandmas so uh but once they get to that age and they start asking those questions
0: uh (laughs) it'll be very nice to tell them about her when you see some of The stories that come out, where they're using DNA now um, in in some of this new technology, and they find people or they're able to identify remains. Does that give you hope?
2: Uh, Yeah, it does. I mean, it's going to be easier if they come, you know, by a a body um, that they can't identify, uh, and that will make it so much easier to at least find out who it is and give that family closure.
0: As you've gotten older you've lived with this, it's been a part of your life since you were a child. But now as you're getting older, and you're looking into it, what are you finding out? Is it frustrating? Because we know that streets talk, but what you hear is not always accurate.
2: Uh, Yeah, it can, uh, it can be very frustrating. Um, I mean, being so young, I tried to Do as much as I could, which wasn't much, other than um, get on the news occasionally and be able to share my story. But now that I'm older, I feel like I could do a little bit more, just more of like pushing, like, "Come on, here's something, look into it." So that's kind of I can do a little more, but I still, you know, I can't do that much because there are so many different stories on her disappearance and the case and. Everything, so it's very frustrating, not knowing and um, every little fact. You know, I try to get them to look into as much as possible. Where was your mom last seen? The first story, which I'm pretty sure is the legitimate one, is she was uh, in Flint, uh, went to a bar with a friend, um, and she never returned home. So that's the the story. So I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, it could be true. It could not be true. Right. Right.
0: I'm sure though she would be so proud of you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
0: Yes. Well, one of the reasons we are doing this again is to try to remind people that when they see the posters or they see a name on that list, missing persons list, that person has a family behind them and bring in closure or I don't even like that word closure
2: at least answers give you answers yeah you deserve that (laughs) yes especially after uh you know the length of time (laughs) oh well Katie anything maybe I didn't ask that you want to add or
0: anything you want to share about your mom uh
2: If, you know, you're out there and you're watching this and you have those answers, come forward. It's been a long time.
0: Yeah. Well, we hope someone does do that because sometimes time helps uh, give people the courage to come forward. And I hope, I so hope that you and your family get the answers that you so deserve. Thank you. (laughs) Katie, thank you again for being with us.
1: Continue the conversation with your hosts, Alicia and Ronnie, on any of your favorite social media platforms. It is now time to go off script and go behind the scenes. Ronnie, I have so many questions. So Liz's mom, Jeannie, it seems like she knows more. Seems like she knows something. Where is she now?
0: Well, the family definitely believes that she knows more, but what she knew, they will never know. It remains a secret because she died in 2015. She died, sadly, of an overdose. Oh, no. So another one of the pieces of this puzzle, the family members tell me that uh, Jeannie took out a life insurance policy on Liz shortly before she went missing, but... Since Liz's case is still a missing persons case, she wasn't able to collect on the life insurance policy prior to her death. Then here's another really odd observation, just because when we start looking into these cases, you kind of go down a (laughs) rabbit hole. always. And looking at Jeannie's obituary, one thing that it stated in the local newspaper, the county press, it stated that Jeannie was preceded in death by her daughter. Well, legally... Her daughter, Elizabeth Land, is still just a missing persons case because Who she hasn't been declared dead. Who wrote that obituary? Well, and I think for them, you know, they they know the chance of finding her mom alive is slim. Yeah. But it's another to have it put in black and white. Right. Well,
1: what about her stepfather, Michael McGoy?
0: Yeah, well. Let me tell you about this guy. So (laughs) I did reach out to him. I never heard back. I reached out to several members of the family. And there are so many family dynamics that go into play in some of these missing persons cases. Because, you know, you have to remember Jeannie and Michael just got married in 2003. So this is not a long-term relationship. And for Katie and other members of her family and those that grew up with Liz, they didn't really know Michael or his side of the family so well. So um, one of the things, and this is just a theory, because if you remember in the interview, Katie mentioned the concerns that her mom possibly was uh, a victim of human trafficking. Right. So one theory is that Liz's mom and stepdad owed money and they were possibly pimping her out.
1: Oh, no.
0: Um, Again, Mm. it's 100% speculation on their part But there are some factors that go into that that would make you see where they could kind of come to that conclusion. You know, uh, so I started running some of these criminal records, not just on those closest, but then the extended family members as well. And I discovered that the stepfather's nephew, Mm -hmm. Jamal, well, he's not really a a nice guy, Alicia. Tell me about him. Uh, He's uh, not only a convicted drug dealer, Mm -hmm. but... He's also serving a federal sentence right now for sex trafficking. And-
1: uh, excuse me? Sex trafficking? Yeah. That hits a little close to home.
0: Right? Right? So, again, <laughs> it's speculation. And there is some um, nothing to say that his lifestyle was connected to Liz's disappearance, but... There is the connection there, and I have to say, you know me—I love documents. Yes, you do. So you get on Pacer, and for those that don't know, um, when it comes to federal cases, the Pacer system is the online document system. So you can, aka you
1: know. Ronnie's online heaven. <laughs> I know, <laughs>
0: you know. But the criminal complaint on this guy reads like an episode out of Dateline. It's heartbreaking, mm. and uh, so he's serving a life sentence now. So you see where the family is saying, "Hey." There could be something to this.
1: I don't believe in coincidences, especially when it involves a missing or murdered family member or acquaintance. It's there's usually a little, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire to me. And I know detectives go down that road. And speaking of detectives, I know one of the first calls you would make would be to the Flint Police Department. What happened with them? What are they doing? Zip. What do you mean? <laughs> Nada.
0: And nothing. And I'm not saying that they're not doing something because you never know what's happening behind the scenes, but um you know, I reached out to people that I know in the Flint Police Department so even went through some of my ATF sources because you know, working for ATF, we had a very close relationship with members of the Flint PD. In fact, we had, you know, some of their officers were on our task force. Um but I really got nowhere. And when I put in my FOIA request, it came back denied because they say this is an ongoing investigation. We
1: need a button that's like (laughs) denied because so often that happens on some of these cases. And you wonder if you have people like us, I mean, we want to look into this case. We're speaking with everybody that we can. We're trying to put clues together it would help to have more of the story, and I think police documents help with that, right? And
0: It's hard because I have been on the other side. Yes. I have you been— You were a
1: denier at one time in your life.
0: Right. You know, <laughs> I was the person saying, I'm sorry, uh, we can't release right. that information. And you do know because while some of these cases are long cases, and they may not have that last piece of the puzzle— They can't always release the information, and by releasing that information, it could put a case in jeopardy, and that's what you don't want to happen. But I think what's so hard for the family is the lack of communication because they got an odd tip recently from someone who knew Liz, and um, according to this tipster, they said that she was buried at a property in Lapeer County, the same property where the body of a 37-year-old, Amy Kagan, who was also missing from Flint, the same area, mm-hmm. was discovered in 2016. Now, the ME determined she died of an overdose, and one person was convicted in the case, but not for her death, but for mutilation of the body and tampering mm-hmm. with evidence. What? Yeah.
1: Okay, I, I have a lot more questions about that. So she was found in a wooded area?
0: Uh, she was on the property... But it was an
1: overdose, and then he mutilated the body after she died? Yes. Okay, I mean, uh, for people who don't know, there is a major problem in Flint, aside from the quality of the water, which is what has made national and international headlines. There's a missing women problem. There are so many missing women, and there at some point, I know both of us belong to the Facebook page "Missing in Flint," and people are constantly sharing their stories. We know there's a drug problem in Flint, also, right. and sometimes that goes hand in hand. Um, there are dangerous areas, and especially for women who are involved in sex work. You and I have spent several uh, weekends in Flint looking into cases, and we see missing. I I remember taking a video. Remember when we were meeting? I took a video of a a post. Uh, near a streetlight, and it was just plastered with missing posters. It's just really sad. There's so many families waiting for answers.
0: I think the hard thing for so many of the families, if you have a loved one that kind of falls in that gray area of society, they are troubled, and they're addicted to drugs or into prostitution, and usually those two go hand in hand. It's hard to really get the attention on their case. Right. And to say they're not invisible. Someone loves them. And for Katie, that's why she's continuing to do this because she has put a face on it.
1: She was a little girl. Yeah, she just wants her mom.
0: You know, but now she's a mom of her, you know, in her own right, and she's taking this on to try to get the answers, even if those answers lead back to, you know, her grandmother. And, um, you know, I guess, would it be a step-grandfather? Yes. (laughs) I don't know how you would really look at that. But, you know, and those are, you know, those are hard things for a family to face. But there are people that say that they do know what happened to her. And, you know, I could see if she did OD and someone freaked. And it seemed like, according to this tipster, this property is where... People in the underground world of Flint connected to drug dealing, they go and they'll dump like guns and used in crimes and bodies and mm. this that and the other. But you, we can't just go on there, it's private property, right? It takes a search warrant. So the tip has been turned over to police, nothing has happened, and the tipster won't come forward to police. So that makes it hard for law enforcement, they're not going to be able to get a search warrant off of that information unless that person comes to them with direct knowledge
1: wow I mean all you can do is hope that with time that we've had now someone will come forward and be brave enough to say I know it happened and give this family some closure she needs it you know it's really fractured her family up next our true crime genius weighs in on this week's case mm-hmm. It's time to get schooled by the teen sensation of true crime. Here's our resident boy genius with this week's Sidebar.
3: Hi, my name is Ryan Kester. I'm an 18-year-old pre-law junior at the University of Texas at Dallas, and ever since I was nine years old, I've been attending trials, reading through case files, and pouring over hundreds of thousands of pages of police documents all in the name of true crime. On today's episode of Sidebar, we're going to be discussing what exactly a cold case is. We've all heard of them. People who watch true crime, who are involved in the community, love to talk about them. But does anybody know what the true definition of a cold case is? And the answer is no. Every police department across the country is going to tell you something probably a little bit different about what a cold case constitutes. However, what is generally agreed upon is that it's a case that has run out of any viable leads and there are no investigatory angles to pursue. So what that means is there's not DNA testing to be done, there's not witnesses to be interviewed, and sometimes they're not even sure if a crime occurred. We see this happen a lot in missing persons cases. Because they are so difficult to solve, there's so little evidence to go off of, many departments categorize them as a cold case, put them in the filing cabinet, and lock them away. It almost always means they're not going to be investigated for a long time. Some police departments, like Houston, Texas, for example, will routinely go through cold case files and attempt to use modern DNA technology or other methods to try to increase the likelihood of solving it. And the National Institute of Justice has Been instrumental in working with state and government agencies in an attempt to increase the availability of high quality, newer DNA technology. In 2005, for example, the National Institute of Justice awarded a total of $14.2 million to 38 state and local agencies in order to try to run tests on existing cold case files. It truly is an important issue, and in the community, we're seeing a major push for investigatory agencies, police departments, DA's offices even, to continue to pursue leads in these cold cases. As technology has genuinely flourished in the past 5, 10, 15 years, even the past year, we're seeing incredible advancements in technology and cold cases are becoming easier to solve. Take, for instance, the Golden State Killer. That was an incredible work of forensic science on a part of many, many people, from the police to the public to private organizations like 23andMe. So we're seeing DNA and the testing of it becoming intrinsically linked to cold cases. And in almost every case, there is something that can be tested, something that can be done that a viable lead can be formed out of. Well, all of that being said... I need to get back to a discussion board entry that's due in like an hour. I will see you guys on the next episode of Sidebar.
0: Before we say goodbye, we want to take a moment to remember Elizabeth Land. We hope that you are found and your family gets the answers they so deserve.
1: Hey listeners, do you have questions, comments, or think you may have the key to solving this week's case? We want to hear from you. Find us at Crimecasters on your favorite social platforms. Together, we can heat up this cold case.